Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 152. I'm Rachel Murphy. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to leave a legacy of emotional, spiritual, and financial wealth with your family is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. And for us, we just start out small. We start out with like little bitty things like you're spending money to go get ices when they're fifth, sixth grade. And then every year we reevaluate what else can we add? And we raise their salary for that. It's money that we were spending anyway on them, but we make them the manager of it, the steward of it. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Rachel Murphy. I asked Rachel to share how her journey led her to writing a book on teaching teens how to handle money. I asked Rachel to talk with you about some of the good and bad ways that she's discovered we teach kids about money. And I also asked Rachel to share with you how her faith journey intersects with her call to write this book. Rachel has worked with young people for almost 25 years as a youth director, a foster parent, a mentor to young adults, and is a mom of five children from ages 8 to 24. Through the years, she became aware of how many teens are lacking easily taught life skills that would help them as they launch out on their own. Her family started raising confident teens to help teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. She is the main host of the Raising Confident Teens podcast. Rachel is also the author of the newly released book, I Am Not Your ATM, a practical plan for teaching your teens to manage money. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a whole Saturday night special thing. It makes me feel like um, we're either going to the gun range or we're going to meet up with a bunch of senior citizens for the early bird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both of those work. (laughs) Okay. Maybe you're going to the gun range with a bunch of senior citizens. That would work too. I'm in Texas, so that would not be an unusual event to be like, yeah, let's take the let's take the seniors to the gun range. Let's go. <laughs> I have never had anyone compare it to either of those, but that'll work. That'll work. So we're glad to have you here. Rachel, I talked a little bit of the intro, but I didn't go into as much detail as I think there is there. You're an entrepreneur. You've done your own business stuff. You've got a history of that. You're also a parent. How do those kinds of being an entrepreneur and being a parent, how have those intersected and overlapped and led to the way that you approach money with your own kids? Our first go round of as entrepreneurs was rough. That's Mm -hmm. probably where most of our philosophy was formed. So the industry we went into had big startup costs. It was relatively new. We didn't know what we were doing. We had no mentors. We did everything wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and we made lots of mistakes and those dis- those decisions affected our lives and our kids' lives mm-hmm. for years. And it could have very easily destroyed our marriage. So with our own kids, I just wanted them to learn all the practical money skills that they could while they were still at home. 
and they had us to guide them through any situation they might come across where it was safe. Not like once they get out on their own, oh, look, here's credit card offers. And no one's warned them. No one's told them anything. Otherwise, I'm just trusting the luck that they're going to get out there and they're going to not make too big a mess and hopefully figure it out. And and they're going to choose your nursing home. So you want them to know what's yes, up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, tell me a little bit more about that first entrepreneurial journey and how you think it did affect the family dynamic. When we were young, we were in our early 20s and we started a local internet service provider, which for us older folks, that was how you got on the internet. Like it was more complicated than it is now. You'd have to unplug your phone Everybody had wall phones. You'd have to unplug your phone and plug your computer into it to dial in. And it would make this horrible noise. And once the internet was popular, nobody could get a hold of anybody because everybody was always on the their phone line. lines were tied up. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was a hard couple of years because once we got into it, it was almost like we can't get out because we we were getting into a pile of debt and it just became deeper and we were putting it on credit cards. And eventually we just had to come to the point. We, we ended up selling it. Someone bought it from us, but we, our personal debt from it was we $50,000 in debt and having to dig out of that. We have lots of great stories. <laughs> and remember the $1,500 car? It was an yeah. adventure, right? <laughs> it was an adventure. And I'm not, upset that we went through it because mm-hmm. we learned a lot and but I wouldn't want to do it again and I wouldn't want my kids to have to go through that if I could avoid it how old you were know? the kids at that point when we had the business the oldest was it was when the time he was a baby until he was three or four but the other kids reaped the consequences <laughs> as they were little as they were coming up, they reap the consequences of having to dig out of it. A lot of kids, the guy in the white truck comes to the neighborhood playing this, his songs, the ice cream man. We, our kid didn't know that was, that guy sold ice cream. We didn't tell him that's the music man. He just <laughs> likes to play music for the kids in the neighborhood. And then my brother came over one day and, oh, the ice cream man's coming. Let's go get ice cream. And I'm like, why did you tell him that? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> How do you think that affected the good side and the bad side of the kiddos? Was it, did it work? Obviously it's worked out now, but at that time, what do you think was going on? They were little, so they didn't know any different really, Mm -hmm. which was a blessing. And if I had my choice between going through hard times when they're little or when they're big, I'd rather have gone through when they're little, but they're very frugal. And some of that is the way we teach money like mm-hmm. they know the value of money because of the way they've learned it themselves <laughs> we were traveling the other day and my husband stopped to get some coffee at the gas station because he was really tired and he was trying to stay awake and my 14 year old is sitting in the car looking he's like why is dad getting coffee in there he's mcdonald's is attached to the gas station and it's a dollar <laughs> I'm like what 14 year old cares that the do- coffee is only a dollar at McDonald's. So how old is the three-year-old now? He is 24. And he's out on his own. Yeah. He's out on his own. Do you think it 
have you talked to him about what he does remember, if anything, about about that period, or does he not really remember anything, or you know, does he remember stories? Yeah, he re- he remembers stories, and he remembers we just didn't do much because we didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like the older, the younger kids do get the benefit of that. And and, and he grew up to be a, a serial killer. I mean, yeah. that it, not getting ice cream from the ice cream man has just destroyed his life. Like, he's I'm in kidding. therapy. No, he's fine. <laughs> It's okay. I tell my son part of my job as a parent is to make sure he needs therapy by the time he's 35. So it's, I actually think that's part of our duty. So that's okay. I think we all probably should get therapy. Absolutely. You should. The longer absolutely. I live, the more I realize we all need it. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm actually a very big proponent of, of getting counseling, whether you feel like you need it or not, you probably need it. Yep. But my all joking aside, my point to saying that out loud is for parents that are maybe going through that right now and struggling with that and have kids at home. One of the pushbacks that you get about things is that we need to create experiences for the kids and they need all of this when they're younger. But he went through that and it sounds like he's turned into a pretty good young man overall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel the expectations of what society tells you, you kid has to have. That's something that's personal, but don't feel like what everybody says you have to do, you have to do. And there might be seasons where you say, for this year, we're not doing much. We're going to make our own fun. I think kids, when they get older, they will appreciate more the sacrifices you made and that you are willing to be disciplined. So why do you think money is such an overlooked topic when it comes to, you know, at family time, at school time, those sorts of things? Why is money not really talked about? I think this question has a lot of different reasons. A big reason it's not taught in schools, I think, is because it's not a subject that's on the achievement tests. And the achievement tests are how we're graded as teachers, how we're graded as schools. And I have friends who are teachers and they tell me all the time how bad it is and it's getting worse. And that they're just teaching them to p- pass the test. That's what they're doing. And for families, I think many times, my generation at least, was not taught how to handle money at all by their parents. And so they feel inadequate. They feel like I wasn't taught, how am I going to teach it? Or I might not be winning with money myself. Who am I to give anybody advice? And so they feel like I just can't do it myself. But as it's mostly just behavior. His parents just feel like I'm not good enough to teach it. And it's not really, it only requires a little bit of learning. And it's mostly be teaching behavior and habits. But it's important, but it's not urgent. So that's another thing. Like it's so far off, long range. Like I'm dealing right now with something that's right in front of me. And I don't want to think about that yet. But then if you turn around and they're going to be ready to move out, if you're not careful. <laughs> it's, I see it a lot in parents when their kid is a senior in college and they're like, they're going to college next year. We have no plan. Like they don't have college savings. They don't have a method of how they're going to work this out. And they, they just kept putting it off and putting it off. It's easy to do. It's with the important but not urgent things. Yeah. In fact, that's the most overlooked category. If you think of the, the four quadrants, right? We deal with the urgent, 
not important and we deal with the urgent important, but we don't necessarily deal with the important, but not urgent very well right. at all. Yeah. For those of you that don't know that matrix of four quadrants, it's put urgent and important, urgent, not urgent on one axis and important and not important on the other. And you end up with four squares and the not urgent, not important. Most of us are pretty good about not doing too terribly much of that. That's the just total time waster activities, but it's the, it's that one that we were just talking about of the, it's important, but not urgent is the most overlooked category. And there's a lot of big things that go in that category. So if somebody's hearing this and they're like, okay, I've got, I got a kiddo, they're preteen, they're a teen, they're coming into that age, or even a younger child, if you want to touch on that as well, how should they begin or what are some of the things that they can do to begin kind of bringing their kiddos along with money so that when it is that moment of they're out on their own, it isn't just, see ya, good luck, which <laughs> happened to a lot of us, I think. Yeah. I think the first important thing to remember is begin with the end in mind. What is your goal? Because that's going to be different for different people. If you have a special needs kid, your goal is not going to be, let's teach them about investing. Your goal is going to be, let's teach them how to make change. It's just like any, anywhere in life. If you're trying to get somewhere, you have to have a map. If you don't have a map, you will find out you're somewhere way off when you get to the end. And you'll be like, this is not where I wanted to go. But if you didn't have a plan, how are you supposed to get there? So I think the first step would be sit down and write out, what does this look like for my family? Like, where, what does a successful adult financially look like to me? Can they do a budget? Can they understand credit card interest? Can they buy a car? It's going to be different. You're going to have different goals. And just think about what's the most important for you and just start working from there and start thinking, how can I practically teach this to them now while they're here? Kids don't like lectures. Teenagers do not like lectures. They respond better to, this is a real life example. So that's how I teach. I teach, make it practical for them. Like turn over part of the budget to them if it's something that they're interested in. A lot of people do clothes. Let them handle the clothing budget. They'll be less likely to waste money on clothes that they're not going to wear if they're the ones handling the clothes. And for us, we just start out small. We start out with like little bitty things like here's spending money to go get ices when they're fifth, sixth grade. And then every year we reevaluate what else can we add? And we raise their salary for that. It's money that we were spending anyway on them. But we make them the manager of it, the steward of it, so that it hurts more. Because if I don't spend it here, I could save it for something else. And that's a concept that a lot of kids don't get until they're on their own because they never had to do it. Mom and dad always just opened the wallet whenever they needed any. That's the title of your book, <laughs> Treating Your Parent Like an ATM. Yeah, and actually, we did that with my son where we turned over part of the budget. And we still put limits on that where right. we, like with clothing, we still said, you do have to buy a certain amount of clothing. You're not going to wear the old ratty jeans until, you know, they've completely fallen apart. You do actually have to replace them at some point. He's a boy. He didn't care. Right. And 
And then we also said we get veto power. There are some things that, you know, you want to buy that shirt. And the answer is no, you can't wear that. Now, he was actually really good about it, but we still laid those ground rules. And and like you said, we let him know if you if you're frugal with it, you get to do something with the extra. And he actually bought a he, he was big into computers. He bought his first computer with money he saved from being frugal with the budget going and buying clothes at the thrift store instead of at the name brand store. And he's, it's the same outfit. I don't care. It's like, yeah. I saved me a few bucks. I'm good. And so the $40 jeans were $10 instead of $40 or whatever, that kind of thing. So it is interesting how, when you give them that responsibility and that reward, they begin to modify the, the questions change because they feel like it's their money. They can do something right. with it. Yeah. What are some of the stories that you have that as you were working with your kiddos on money that maybe surprised you or some unique events that happened? I didn't realize how much they would like to have control. Mm. I guess subconsciously, I knew that teenagers like to be in control, but like they love it. They're like, we're going to do this with our kids because no teenager likes to go say, I have to ask my mom for money. Oh, we're all going out for ice cream. Let me go ask my mom for some money. But that's, I feel like a little kid when I have to say, oh, okay, yeah. They just pull their wallet out and see how much they got in there. And I guess I, I didn't, that's one thing I didn't anticipate was how much they would like it. They feel like adults. And, and you know, this is something we can give them. There's so many other things we can't give them that they want as teenagers. No, you can't stay out all hours. Of, no, you can't. Do all this other stuff, but this no, is you something. You can't have your boyfriend or girlfriend come over and spend the night. That's not right. allowed. You know? Yeah, but if they're if they start doing crazy stuff, obviously you need to pull back and say right. we need to reevaluate this because you're not being responsible. They need to have the ability to make decisions for themselves, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of times we don't let them. Like I remember as a kid, no offense, mom and dad, if you hear this, but. Our lives were pretty structured. Um, I grew up in a pretty fundamentalist background. And I had trouble making decisions as an adult because I never did it. I wasn't allowed to decide things. And my parents did let me actually earn money and buy things. I did do that as a kid. But in a lot of things, I wasn't allowed to make decisions. So I feel like the more decisions they're allowed to make that are safe the better decision makers they're going to become. It's just a practice thing. Skill. What are some of the mistakes they made with money that, and and how did y'all handle that when they, because guess what? They're going to screw it up when they first start practicing it. So how did y'all handle it when they did make a mistake? Yeah. I try to be fair. If it's some, a legitimate something comes up that nobody saw coming, then yeah, we're going to, we're going to find the way to, to meet that need or my kids are pretty for the most part they're pretty conservative probably just because of the way they were raised but I have one that likes to spend a lot of money on airsoft stuff and sometimes I think he spends money on that when he should have put more to clothes like you said you know? mm-hmm. and I just say what well, you want to be wearing those clothes for a while like as long as they're not falling apart like you said he's figured out that he could stretch them longer if he 
If he doesn't like, slide across the floor on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I heard him the other day saying, hey, I'm going to call my friend. He's, his feet have grown a lot recently and see if he's got any shoes he's outgrown that I could, that I could get There you from. go. That's the end of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's like going to the thrift store instead of, yeah. the, instead of the name brand store. Same sort of idea. That's awesome. I, I actually had two students that I taught that were so big that they used to get their shoes from the Spurs organization in San Antonio because wow. um, they they wore they were both basketball players and right. went to the Spurs camps and that and the Spurs actually have a thing where because game shoes they only wear once so they could pass them down to the basketball players that that they could fit but of course obviously that's, awesome. that's not everybody so I, before we move on and ask a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests, what else do you think is really important to share from the book or about the book? Yeah. I never thought I'd write a book. It was, it's totally a God thing. I, I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of writing. Like a lot of people do. I'm good at it, but I don't like, Ooh, I want to sit down and write. But I just like last year, I just felt like something in my spirit said, turn this into a book. And I know it had to be God because I don't, I would have never said that to myself. And when I sat down to write, you sit down and write and you got a thousand words. Okay. I can't think of anything else, but then just whenever something else would come to mind and I'd just start writing about that. And then 30,000 words later, I have a book, but I, I heard about this concept from Mary Hunt. Do you remember Mary Hunt? She skate monthly. She's not as popular as she used to be, but she wrote a book similar to this, but she didn't go into a lot of details. And I spent years figuring out how does this work for my family using her book? And what does this look like practically? And I thought this method is so great. And I know that there's a lot of other people out there who need details. Like I can do the, I understand the concepts and it sounds good, but please detail this out for me. And so this is the book I wish I had when I started. That's what I wrote. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most important takeaway from the book is for parents? Just start because if you look at the statistics, the average person can't come up with a thousand dollars for an emergency and seeing all of this heartache with this COVID lockdown, people just don't have any margin. Mm-hmm. And if even if you just learn one thing to change your, it could change your life. Just, but it, it's only a few concepts really that you need and you don't have to get them from me. There's so many books out there. There's so many videos. We have so much more than we had when I was a kid. If you want to learn about money, just listen to podcasts. You can grasp so much. I I don't care where you get it from somewhere and just start doing the small steps and those small steps will add up and change your life. So one of the questions I like to ask all of my guests is my brand is inspired stewardship and I run things through that lens of stewardship. So for yet, as I talk to people, I've discovered that different people hear different things when I use the word stewardship. So for you, what does the word stewardship mean? And what is the impact of that word been on your life? Yeah, stewardship, you know, it could be bad or good. We often think it's a positive word, but there's that story in the Bible of the lazy steward. So obviously we could, it could go either way. I see it as being a manager for someone else. And I think that's freeing because I don't have to worry about it. It's not mine. If he tells me to do something, 
I just have to do it. You know, I just have to do what he says. It's like when you work for a company and the boss tells you to do something with, write a check for this. It doesn't really hurt you because it's not your money. We often think of stewardship as just finances, but there's so much more to it than that. It's really our time, our, which is something I'm, I really struggle with. I've been doing time blocking and time tracking, and I'm like, man, I, I feel like I'm really busy and don't have time for everything, but I really do waste a lot of time. It was just like last night. <laughs> last night I was on Facebook, and I got sucked into this post. They post those posts of people that did amazing things like during the war, there was this post on this female spy and I'm like, this is so interesting. And then I like Google her and I started reading all about her. And then I was reading about all the other women spies. I'm like, (laughs) where did, how did I get off on this? It was, it's not necessarily a bad thing that I was doing, but it wasn't necessarily the, my most important thing that I should be doing. So that's something I struggle with. And also, you know, it like, definitely wasn't in that important, urgent category. <laughs> no, it's just, there's such a, used to be a fascinating category where Rachel gets sucked in and I'm only allowed so many minutes a day to be fascinated. Also for me, health is a big, just being stewards of our health because like as entrepreneurs, it is so easy to get sucked into that hustle culture. Like I've got to do this. Everybody else is doing this. You only work 24 hours a day. You'll be great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's seasons where you have to go through that. Like when we were doing the book, sure. we were up late editing every night because that's the only time we could get it done because we have kids. But I, I have got to the point where I'm just like, Rachel, you have got to get seven or eight hours of sleep a night or you're just not. I want to be a good old person. When I'm old, I want to be in good. And that's just not healthy. If you listen to the society in the world and they're all saying you've got to post this many times a day and you've got to do seo and you've got to put yourself out there and do all this stuff and i was really struggling with that and right about the time the book came out i was like what am i what should i be doing and then i I felt like i just said i can do more in five minutes than you can do all year so so i've just tried to every day just say god what do you want me to do today and not be so worried about myself. Just do what I can do. Because as a parent, it is so easy to burn yourself out. You got to answer yeah. your question. That's yeah. just what I'm dealing with. I think yeah. it's a, it's, as you go through life, you struggle with different things. What works for you now won't work for you tomorrow, necessarily. Yeah, Marshall Goldsmith has a book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's Technically, it's a leadership book, but that idea is still the same. I think for our life too, we get to certain levels and it's, but what got us to that level isn't exactly what's going to get you to the next level, whether that's the level in parenting and business and leadership and whatever, you've got to learn new skills and new abilities to get to the next level yeah. as well. And, and you can't compare yourself to other people because their journey is not your journey. Well, and where you are is different. In other words, a lot of times we compare our, our beginnings to someone else's middle that's bad. And then B, even if we compare a beginning to a beginning, we're actually not starting from the same place. So, because we have different backgrounds and histories and everything else as well. So here's my favorite question that I ask everybody. If I invented this magic machine and I was able to pluck you out of the chair where you sit today and transport you into the future, a hundred to 150 years, 
And through the magic of this machine, you were able to look back and see what you've left behind in terms of ripples and impact, all of those people that you've touched. What do you hope the impact that you've left behind is? I would hope that people said that I loved well and that everybody I came in contact with, uh, their lives were changed for the better. That when I get to heaven, I hope I meet people who said, hey, my mom read your book and it changed our lives. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's, Finances are the biggest stress for so many people. Like three out of four people say, you know, the stress they have is caused by finances. If we can just eliminate some of that, just like our marriages, our families, it would be a better world. So what's coming next for you as you work on this book, the journey? What's, uh, what's on the roadmap for you? That's a good question. Like I said, I never thought I'd write a book. If you had asked me this question a couple of years ago, I never would have thought I'll have a book written. I'll be speaking on podcasts. The truth of the matter is, as a kid, I was incredibly shy. I cried every day at kindergarten because I didn't want to talk to people. God has other plans sometimes than you have. And when he, it's a process and as it's revealed to you, you're like, when it's right, it's just easy. You know, the saying, God, we make plans and God laughs. You know, this was never my plan. But I'm enjoying just talking to people and just sharing my heart. And, and I can see myself doing that. I don't mind going out and speaking and doing that. We talked a little bit before we recorded the other day about construction, because we've both done construction. And I'd really like to, I'd really to help people build their own houses. It's another goal of ours to, you could build cheaper than you can buy these days. And it's a DIY world as you can learn how to do anything. <laughs> we want to do classes where we teach people how to build timber frame, to build tiny houses and not have a big mortgage. That's another goal of ours. I just, I, I'd like to do more foster care adoption is big in our hearts because we're a foster family, adoptive family. And I would like to do more training for teenage foster kids because they really don't have the skills. I guess I'll just see where I go. The way is not yet clear, but I've learned because when we first started a couple years ago, this all started as we just want to teach kids life skills. That's how it started. And we didn't know what we were doing. We just started making little videos. That's how we started. And then it turned into the podcast. And then people said, what about money? So it's turned into the book. And it's just, I've learned that if you just start taking action, then it becomes a lot clearer where you're supposed to go next. Easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. Right. Yeah. So I'm just trying to take action where I think I'm supposed to be going and then we'll just see where it takes me. You can follow Rachel on Facebook and Instagram as Rachel Murphy Coaching. Or find out more about her services and the book over on the website, rachelmurphycoaching.com. Of course, I'll have links to all of this over in the show notes as well. Rachel, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, I've made. Oh, Rachel, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? 
Yeah, I've set up a special page just for listeners. If you go to rachelmurphycoaching.com slash stewardship, I'm going to have some free resources on there. My top three books I recommend for teens, parents of teens, and like a spending tracker. If you're like, hey, I'd like to start doing that, turning over stuff to my kids, but I really don't know how much I'm spending. I got a tracker on there. You can print out just every time you spend something on them, write it down, and then that'll give you an idea of stuff you could start turning over there. Those are some great resources. And of course, I'll have a link to that page in the show notes as well for folks. Thank you so much for being here today. It's awesome stuff that you've shared. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.